All right. Are you glad to be in church today? Come on, you can do better than that. Are you glad to be in church today? I hope so. We are living in a weird moment in history. Can I get an amen in the church? (laughs) It has been an interesting ride since about February, huh? Sure has. This past week gave all the other weeks a run for its money, huh? I think we should pray (laughs) and ask for the spirit of the living God to fall fresh on us. Does that sound good? Let me pray for you. Let me pray for me. Let me pray for our country. And uh, I love the songs that the team picked today. Because it talked about this decision that you and I get to make as followers of Jesus. To first of all recognize the fact that we serve a different king. No matter who wins our election or won it or whatever's going on. No matter what happens around the world, we have a God who is in control. And I love that line, it is well with me. And if it hasn't been well with you, I just want to encourage you today to fix your eyes on Jesus today. That's our opportunity, you know, when the church comes and gathers together It is a reminder that you are not alone. It's a reminder that God is outside of all of the issues that we face. And he's in control. And his ways are higher than our ways. And there is much to be grateful for. There's much to be thankful for. And there's much to be hopeful about. And Jerome shared one of those things, right? That in the middle of all the stuff, you know, we, Redeemer City Church, the body of Christ, had an opportunity to reach into our culture and make a difference. And so for those of you that that gave to that or wrote a card or whatever that looks like, great job. I mean, when I got that email, I was like, man, like that, that is what we're all about. We talk about good news all the time. And so you got to make a difference in 88 teachers' lives who, you know, just hearing from the principal that there's been so much negativity, so much shifting, so much finger pointing, so much of all of that, that he's been praying in the background, God, would you do something? Would you mobilize something? And God did that. He did that through you. So incredible. Um, opportunity for us. So praise God for that. And uh, that is happening all around the country. It's not getting the press. It's not getting the news. But the kingdom of God is coming on earth just as it is in heaven. And he's going to use whatever he wills to do that. And he incredibly uses us. And we're going to talk about that today. But I do want to just take a moment and pray with you. Pray for our country. And then we'll dive into James chapter 3 today. Sound good? All right, let's pray. God, thank you for your goodness. 
Thank you for Jesus, that in our worst moment, in our being dead in our sin, you gave us your best. At our worst, you gave us your best. And so today we are reminded of your goodness. We're reminded that Jesus is seated on the throne in heaven. His enemies are his footstool. And we trust you. As we sang today, we will trust in you. And so we are so grateful for this opportunity. We're grateful for our freedoms. We're grateful for your word. I pray, Holy Spirit, that in this moment, you would speak through the power of your word. That you would give wisdom to those of us in your body. That as we step into a world that is extremely divided, that we have an opportunity to live out what you prayed for, Jesus, in John chapter 17. That your church would be one. That there wouldn't be things outside of the body that could divide what you have done within the body. And so I pray that you would answer that prayer, that Holy Spirit, you would gather your church together, whether we're online or whether we're in the room or whether it's somebody in a different local church around the area, God, that we are all worshipers of you. We are all the first fruits of your creatures, your creation. And because of that, we are citizens of a different kingdom. And we participate in this kingdom knowing that we need you to break in and redeem and restore that which is broken all around us. And so I pray today that you would mobilize your church, that Holy Spirit, you would fill us up and send us out that we might serve our city and see them the way that you see them. But first, Lord, we need to see inside of our own hearts so that you can do the work in us that you have begun and that you are going to complete. And so we love you. Thankful again for Jesus today. And all God's people said, amen. If you have a Bible, go to James chapter 3. James chapter 3. You know, it's interesting. We put these sermon schedules together like well in advance. And so like this was... This was on the, the church planning calendar for probably six months. This was on the calendar before Jerome even came on staff. This, this has been in the plans for a long time. And it's one of those little things that God does. It's one of those little things that the Holy Spirit does to just remind you that, and to remind me really, that he's in control. It's one of those subtle things because Today, we're talking about wisdom. We're talking about the difference between earthly wisdom and godly wisdom. And if we needed anything in this moment as the church, this is perfect. And so I want to dive into that, but James gives us a really interesting text here, because if you remember last week, we talked all about taming the tongue. 
If you think through really where we've been in the whole book, they're, they're all tied back to the thesis statement of the book, which is back in James chapter 1, verse 16, 17, and 18, where James tells us, don't be confused, don't be deceived, which would be really easy in this moment. Can we just be honest about that? To look at all the things happening in our world, to listen to the messaging that's coming at us from all the different sides, and to sit there and say, you know what? I don't really know what the truth is. I don't really know where's that thread of reality that is true. And that would just be a really honest assessment because... No doubt, even in this room right now, certainly for those online and just for the entire body that is Redeemer, there's going to be some different opinions. There's going to be a lot of different opinions, and you probably really believe in your opinions. Otherwise, you wouldn't hold them, right? They wouldn't even be worth holding. So we get that, but then there's this reality that James is going to tell us about that transcends all of that. That transcends all that division and actually can unify his church. But we, we started in that place where James tells us every good and perfect gift comes from the Father above. There's always three things present in front of us as the people of God. There's always three things. There's always good to celebrate. It's always there if you'll look for it. There's always good to celebrate no matter what's going on. There's always brokenness. There's always brokenness. And rather than pull back from that, can I encourage you as the people of God to lean into that and draw near to that. And then the third thing that's always present is that for God's kingdom to come on earth as it is in heaven, there's always a future to participate in. And we need the body of Christ to participate in the future that is going on around us. That we would be in all sectors of society participating in this kingdom to bring his kingdom. And so all those things are, are always there because there's a father in heaven who is good and who has given us every good and perfect gift. And then I love verse 18 because it, it reminds us that God chose us to be his kids. What an amazing thought that the God of heaven looked at you and called you by name to be a part of his collective body. What an amazing thing that is. And then he uses that phrase that I prayed. He says that you would be the first fruit of his creatures. You're his favorite creation. I love that. And we could go on and on about that. But I don't want to today. Because then we dove in and we talked about being doers of the word. Not just hearers. We talked about taming our tongue, and if you can do that, you can control everything. And so there's just an honest confession of last week that we can't do that, so we need the Holy Spirit to do that. And you can go find that online. But then we come to our text today in James chapter 3, beginning in verse 13, and James asks an excellent question for us to consider in this moment as the body of Christ. Look at what it says. Look what he says to the church that he's writing to that's scattered all over the place. He says this. He asks this. Who is wise and understanding among you? What a phenomenal question for us to ask ourselves in this moment, right? Because 
there's a lot of things for us to fight for right now as a society, isn't there? There's a ton of things for us to fight over, to fight for, to fight about, to fight in. And yet James, in the middle of actual persecution and the church being scattered all over the place, asks this incredibly important question after all the things that we've studied. He says, who is wise among you? It's an important question. Who is wise among you? And understanding among you. And then look at what he says. He says, by his good conduct, let him show his works in the meekness of wisdom. So if you're taking notes, write down this first thing. Because this is, this is important as we shift into what all of that looks like. The goal that James is after is good conduct. Right? That... That by our good works, people would see them and glorify our Father who is in heaven. That's what scripture says, right? But then he drops this bomb on what showing good works looks like. He says, show them in the meekness of your wisdom. It's really important because if you were to go all the way back into the Old Testament and look at what the word in the Hebrew and the word in Greek for wisdom means... It's very simple. It means skill in living. Because here's the reality. It's different than knowledge, isn't it? James even separates them here. He says, who's wise and understanding among you? Because it's one thing to gather a lot of information in your head, isn't it? It's one thing to just accumulate knowledge and understanding, it's a completely different thing to take those things and use them and to live them and to pass them on and to lead others. So James is drilling into something that's really important. He's saying it's not just the accumulation of facts. Because he said earlier in the letter that he's writing, he said, even demons believe and they tremble. They're afraid of God. They're in fear of God. They know what's right, but they are not wise. They're not in the kingdom of God. So it's a very important question. If the goal is good conduct because it's through our good works, it's through our doing of the word that people will see it and then glorify God because of it, it's very important for us to think about the differences between the earth's wisdom and God's wisdom. But before we get there, what is really important here, and James just goes right after it, is that left to ourselves, we have a problem. Right? Look at, look at verse 14. So he says, Show your good conduct by the meekness of wisdom, your wisdom and understanding, But verse 14, if you have any jealousy or selfishness, selfish ambition in your heart, do not boast and be false to the truth. This is not the wisdom that comes down from above, but is earthly, unspiritual, and demonic. For where jealousy and selfish ambition exist, there will be disorder and selfish, or there will be disorder and every vile practice. What have we seen? Over the last few months in our culture, 
disorder, and every vile practice, right? Are we living in the same, same society? Can you affirm that? I mean, all of it, right? We've seen all of it. And so James is saying that is not worldly wisdom. But if you and I are going to be honest with each other, and I hope you will be because faking it is useless, right? Faking it doesn't help you. It doesn't help us, right? James starts that with his thesis statement in the beginning, right? That's why we bring it up every week. He says, don't be deceived or don't deceive yourself because we can do that. So there's a problem and James names it. And if you're taking notes, I would encourage you to write that down because the goal is that you would have good conduct, that you would have good works. But the problem is we are jealous, selfish, and prideful. We might have a day where we're not, but oftentimes, if we're honest, those things filter their way into our hearts and minds and mouths more often than not. That's why he says this right on the heels of taming the tongue. Because if we're honest, we know that there's this standard that we ought to meet, and we just so often don't meet it because we're jealous and selfish and prideful. He unpacks that even a little bit more, and I think it's really important for us in this moment uh, in our country to, to really dive into that and think about this. James is talking about the earth's wisdom, and so there, here's some things you can write down and some scriptures you can write down to think about this week. But as we're talking about earth's wisdom, I was thinking about Proverbs 14:12. If you want to write that down, it'll be on the screen here. It says, there is a way... That seems right to a man. There is a way that seems right to a man. But its end is the way to death. We can have all kinds of opinions about the things that are going on in the world. But in reality, no matter how good we do at the earth's wisdom, the end of the earth is death. The end of being apart from Christ is death. And it's extremely important for us to think about that because it's going to seem right. But if, but if you're separated from what God's already said, it can seem right, but it will lead to death. And I just need you to know that because the first thing that James calls the earth's wisdom here in James chapter 3 is worldly earthly some translations say fleshly it's of the flesh it literally means it's of the flesh first corinthians 120 paul asks this question he says where's the one who's wise where's the scribe where's the debater of this age all great questions we've been asking those for a long time we've been debating we've been asking questions about the earth's wisdom we've been doing all of that but here's what Paul tells his friends in the city of Corinth, he says, Has not God made foolish the wisdom of the world? Can you not look at the past few weeks and months of what's been going on in the world and say, That is foolish. That is really, really foolish. 
and James is just pointing that out, that the earth's wisdom is just that. It's earthly. It's fleshly. It's selfish. It's gross, really. And the reason is because of the second reason James tells us. If you're taking notes, it's, it's earth's wisdom is both worldly, but it's also sensual, isn't it? It's also sensual and selfish. It's wrapped up in itself. James says unspiritual, depending on your translation. I was reminded, just thinking about that, when Paul was writing a letter to Titus as he was going to be a pastor and he's preparing for ministry and you know, who wouldn't want a letter from the Apostle Paul if you're about to start pastoring a church? And here's what Paul tells Titus as he's getting ready to just be a pastor and be amongst the people. He says this, For we ourselves were once foolish, disobedient, led astray, slaves to various passions and pleasures, passing our days in malice and envy, hated by others and hating one another. But when the goodness and loving kindness of God our Savior appeared, he saved us, not by works done by us in righteousness, but according to his own mercy, by the washing of regeneration and the renewal of the Holy Spirit. He's making a commentary on the culture around Titus and the church that he's going to pastor and reminds him that we don't need to point fingers at those people, but we need to remember that we were once those people, and if we're not careful, we can be those people again. What the world doesn't need from us as the body of Christ is for us to come into that fight and go, right? They need us to come in and be godly, to have godly wisdom, because we used to be that, but then, don't you love that? But when the goodness and kindness of God, what is going to reach the person across the aisle from you? No matter which side of that is. Not freaking out. Not being a debater of this age. The goodness and kindness of God. Paul says just as much in the book of Romans, doesn't he? He says it's the kindness of God that leads to repentance. The washing of regeneration and renewal of the Holy Spirit. He's telling Titus as a pastor, go back to your people and remind them of the renewal of the Holy Spirit. Can I just do the same for you today as your pastor? Can I just remind you that you can be renewed in the Holy Spirit, that you can have that renewal of the Holy Spirit in your life? really really important in in just a minute don't don't put it up yet jordan but we're going to get to the romans 12 passage where it talks about don't be conformed to this world but be renewed right and so we'll get there but it's worldly it's sensual and then thirdly james just points out the fact that it's demonic this is not wisdom that comes down from above but is earthly unspiritual and demonic let's just cut to the chase james says it's demonic look at how john said it uh, in john chapter 8 verse 44 he says you are of your father the devil and your will is to do the father's desires he was a murderer from the beginning and does not stand in the truth because there's no truth in him 
When he lies, he speaks out of his own character, for he is a liar and the father of lies. God is not the author of confusion. The devil is. And we just have to be reminded of that, right? That if you look out in the world and there's tons of confusion and tons of chaos and tons of disorder and every vile practice, that Satan is having his way in the culture. But we, the church, we get to step back from that and then re-enter that and say, no, 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 there's a different way. There is a completely different path that is offered. We call it the way of Jesus, right? So we, we have this earth's wisdom that is being pumped and pumped and pumped and pumped and pumped. But we have to be reminded of what James says in verse 17. And verse 18, love this, there, there's a different option than the others that have been placed in front of you. Here's what it says, but the wisdom from above is first, anytime the Bible says that it's important, is first, means it's not the only thing, but it has to come first, is first pure, then peaceable, gentle, how about this one, open to reason, Full of good mercy. Full of mercy and good fruits. Impartial. Wait a minute. You can, you can actually listen to somebody who disagrees with you. And that's okay. You, you, can, just, you can just listen. But, it, but what if I believe something else? I have, to, I have to tell them the truth. I have to tell them the truth. That, that comes, that's the next word. It says sincere. It doesn't say you have to believe what they're saying. It doesn't mean you have to affirm what they say. It doesn't mean any of that. You're still supposed to be sincere. But what does James say earlier in, our, in the letter? He says, let everyone be swift to hear, quick to hear, and slow to speak. We have that backwards right now. We're quick to speak and slow to listen. And we need to just reverse that because we can, because we have the Holy Spirit, because we can be renewed in the Holy Spirit and be quick to listen and slow to speak. I love that. Impartial and sincere. You need the Holy Spirit for that. You can't do that on your own. That's earth's wisdom. God offers you a different one. And then I love verse 18. The fruit of those things, there is a harvest of righteousness. How do I get that? It's sown in peace by those who make peace. What a powerful verse. So what is the way of Jesus? If you're taking notes, the way of Jesus is purity. The way of Jesus is purity. What does purity look like in this day and age? Peace from God that you give to others. Peace from God. You receive a peace from God that passes all understanding. Jesus is referred to as the Prince of Peace. The Prince of Peace, Shalom, fullness, wholeness, it only comes from God. Our vision has to go up first. We love God because he first loved us. But there is a completely different wisdom available to you. And it's pure because it's from God. And it's something that you can give to others. 
So pure wisdom, let's talk about that for a second. Before we do, uh, I love what Solomon, when he wrote Proverbs, remember he was writing to his son. So he's writing to his son and basically giving him all the things like, hey son, I was an idiot, you shouldn't be. And then he wrote him a bunch of stuff, just a bunch of principles that he ought to live his life by. And here's, here's one of them, I love the way it says this. It says, getting wisdom is the wisest thing you can do. Don't you just love that? Hey, son, getting wisdom is the wisest thing you do. And whatever else you do, develop good judgment. What does that mean? Get wisdom. So he's saying, son, the wisest thing you can do is get wisdom. And then when you need to do something else, go get more wisdom. (laughs) Because Solomon just knew that all the things that were offered by the earth that he chased, and he chased them hard. He chased those worldly pleasures He chased those sensual pleasures. He experienced the demonic activity around him. He did all of those things that James talks about. And he tells his son, you should really focus on getting wisdom. You should really focus on that. I love that. So how do we get wisdom? What is that? I think there's three things that are godly about the wisdom that James talks about. If you want to write them down, go ahead and you can look at them later. But... The first one is this, godly principles. Wisdom comes from godly principles, right? Because it begins with the hope that we have in Christ. 1 John chapter 3, verse 3 says, All who have this hope in him purify themselves, just as he is pure. It just begins, right? Scripture says the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. It first begins with you looking up. You have to look to God for salvation before any of the other things can happen. If you don't love God, you won't experience good news and you'll never be able to serve your city. It begins in that place where we look up and we receive first. Romans chapter 12, verse 1 and 2, Paul says this. He says, I appeal to you, therefore, brothers, by the mercy of God, to present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God, which is your spiritual worship. Look up. Don't be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewal of your mind. That by testing, you may discern wisdom. What is the will of God? What is good and acceptable and perfect? Wisdom begins in those godly places, in those godly principles. It has to start there. James is saying the wisdom from above is first pure. And it begins in that place where you receive. Maybe you're sitting here right now and you're not a Christian. You're just either playing a game or you just walked in here for some reason. If you're not a Christian, I just it, it, it begins there. It begins with understanding that you're a sinner. And we don't have to spend a lot of time there. You can just look around and realize that we are sinners amongst sinners. We're broken people. There's brokenness all around, all sides of the aisles. You know, I love that, that idea that the church is full of hypocrites, right? Like that's, that's one of the things that people who don't believe in God say. True. (laughs) True. You're looking at one, right? It's probably the worst part about preaching to you every week. (laughs) 
I go out and I don't always live it, right? Begins in that place of recognizing that we need Jesus. And that it begins in those godly principles. And the first one is that Jesus is God. That he is the answer to the problem. And that's not a simplistic answer because all of it flows out of that. And is important, but it starts there. So that godly principle first. But then it, then it goes to this. It goes to godly motives, right? You see, Jesus talked all about this in Matthew chapter 5. We spent time going through the Sermon on the Mount where he, he unpacks that it's not just about the things that you do, but it's about the things that you think. It's about what's in your heart. The Bible says out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. I love what Paul told his friends in Philippi. He wrote a letter to the Philippian people, and he said this in Philippians chapter 2. He says, if there's any encouragement in Christ, if there's any encouragement at all in Christ, if there's any comfort from love, if there's any participation in the Spirit, any affection and sympathy, here's what he says, complete my joy by being of the same mind, having the same love, being in full accord and of one mind, Do nothing from selfish ambition or conceit, but in humility count others more significant than yourselves. Let each of you look not only to his own interests, but to the interests of others. If you want a title for this sermon, it would be this. It would be otherworldly wisdom. Because that doesn't happen apart from Christ. That doesn't happen apart from Christ. There's a recognition of, that we have to be changed, completely transformed to be able to do those things. James gives us his own list here. Wisdom from above that is pure, is peaceable, gentle, open to reason, full of mercy. Very important. But then it goes to that third place. So, so if our vision goes up and then God moves in and begins to transform us, well, what, is, what does that do? What does that do to us? James then says in verse 18, there's a harvest of righteousness that is sown in peace by those who make peace. So it, it lands in this place of godly purpose, right? It, it, it funnels down as we fall in love with God that we begin to be able to look with him at the people around us. We begin to have those godly purposes, right? James talks about peace. Uh, Jesus told us in Matthew 5, 9, that it's blessed are the peacemakers because they will be called the children of God. They will be called the sons of God. And so peacemaking as opposed to peace breaking or peace faking, right? It's in these moments that our culture gets all the way to the end of itself that we learn who we really are. Because it comes to verse 16 in Matthew chapter 5, and we're told this, In the same way, let your light shine before others so that they may see your good works and give glory to your Father who is in heaven. All of it is so that Jesus can get glory. So how do I get it? If all those things are true, how do I get it? I mentioned it earlier, but Psalm 111.10, the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. 
But that's the beginning, right? Then what's it say? It says, all those who practice it have a good understanding. His praise endures forever. (laughs) Don't you love how worship is connected to that? Vision up, vision in, vision out. It's all right there. Fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. All those who practice it have good understanding. His praise endures forever. There's a lot more we could talk about, but I think you get my point. So we land in that place of getting wisdom. And I want to offer that to you today. So I'm going to have the band come up. They're going to, they're going to play a song for us. We're going to do that It Is Well song again in a moment here. But I want to read to you a scripture from Colossians, and then I want to uh, gather around God's table with you. I want to take communion with you in a moment here. So there's little individual ones nearby or we're on your seat somewhere. But I want you to think about this. If you're not a Christian, I want you to know that this is the place to begin. This is the place we start. But if you are a Christian, I want you to know that the gospel is not just for people who are not Christians. The gospel is for all of us. It's for us every single day. Listen to what Paul says in Colossians chapter 2, verse 2 and 3. He says that their hearts may be encouraged as a church, that we can be encouraged being knit together in love to reach all the riches of full assurance of understanding and the knowledge of God's mystery, which is Christ. 